Hey guys, welcome to the Outward Conversation podcast. Joining me today is Ernie Fabian from Idle Threat. And um, Ernie, it's really good to have you here, man. Uh, thanks for taking time to join us. I know me and you haven't really had much time to talk at any of the places that we've interacted at. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks so much for having me, man. Um, yeah, usually when we are in the same same location at the same time it's there's a lot going on there's so Very many true. people in the same room and so uh it's nice to finally get to sit down and, and have some one-on-one talk looking forward for to sure it. um so i definitely want to start out with saying even though 2020 was a uh, crazy year um congrats on getting married this year and uh your band being signed to tooth and, and nail records that is insane that's awesome both of those things. Yeah. Insanely awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Early on, we were joking about how, how, like, even though 2020 was like falling apart around us, like the whole world was collapsing. Like we were like thriving for a little bit there. Yeah. Um, you know, marriage uh, was super exciting. Still is super exciting. Um, and then, you know, signing to uh, tooth and nail, which has like been a dream of mine for oh, sure. You know, since I was in middle school, basically. So, um, yeah, no, we're we're really stoked to to have had at least like something to look forward to throughout this entire year. Definitely, um, I can't imagine people who like just it's been like one blow after another. Um, that that would be really difficult. But for us, it's been it's not not a bad year overall. But, yeah, uh, definitely not as as great as we would have hoped for it to have been. I'm with you. Uh, this has been, so this was our first full year being married. And, um, I mean, I'm just thankful that throughout this, like getting to, you know, come home and be with someone else has been awesome. Like I definitely, uh, feel for the people that have had to go through this on their own. Like, Oh yeah. And I were just talking like yesterday about how, like, you know, there's not really a whole lot to go do right now. It's been, really nice to have someone to hang out with like every day for like, sure and she works from home i'm still like going to work uh throughout the day but like you know having that time in the evening yeah it's, i don't know it's still like some normalcy you know exactly like, you still have that person that you're hanging out with so exactly yeah i'm super thankful for her during this whole thing we have we have watched so many m- movies like that's been our evening constantly is just watching a movie <laughs> so can't complain about that um yeah movies tv shows yes we've played a lot of call of duty nice uh, like i mean it's been as much much brain rotting entertainment as we could fill our fill our time with i like it so she doesn't Rebecca doesn't play games, but she'll watch while I play games and constantly ask me like, what's going on? Why I had to shoot that man. And like, you know, so it's still cool to do do that. And we um, got super into disc golf just because that's something you can do without having to be with a ton of people. So that's been cool to get to like go out of the house and play and where our house is, there's like 30 courses within like half an hour. So it's oh, something wow. that's kind of always an option to go do. So that's been fun too. Um, but to jump into this, yeah, I, mean, I haven't played disc golf in a long time, man, it's addicting. Um, I played it on and off for like 
a year, maybe like seven years ago. And then didn't touch it again until this year. And now I'm like hooked on it. And I just want to go play all the time, <laughs> but to um, jump into this, uh, tell us a little bit of your story and um, yeah, just whatever you want us to know about you. Sure. Um, so I am uh, currently 27 years old and I am from Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised here, still live here. Um, and te- technically I uh, grew up in a town uh, just south of Nashville called Smyrna, Tennessee. And uh, yeah, just like spent uh, most of my life, um, you know, living living the dream as, you know, a young kid. All my friends lived in neighborhoods near me. So had a pretty cool little childhood, like in run around and do whatever I want. I was really big into um, uh, sports my whole life. Uh, as I like grew up and kind of started uh, finding, I guess, my own like friend group, uh, those sports went away from like your kind of traditional sports like basketball um, and baseball, although I still like really love those sports, um, to more like skateboarding and, uh, things like that. So, uh, I think that, uh, I always say that like sixth grade, which was 2006 for me, um, was the most, uh, shaping year of my life. Like, uh, even to this day, I still attribute who I am largely in part to that year alone, um, for reasons that year alone was the year that I became a Christian. Okay. Uh, that's the summer of 2006 is when I, I gave my life to Christ. And then also uh, I discovered heavy music. And so nice. for a lot of people, I think heavier, more aggressive music tends to like, you know, shape, uh, just shape the way that you uh, sort of interact with the world. Like I, I've never been a particularly angry person, yeah. but something about that kind of music uh, always resonated with me. So yeah, those, those two things that year uh, really just set me up for who I am today. And um, yeah, that's kind of like the main thing. I mean, uh, went to uh, Belmont university in college, uh, which is like a liberal arts Christian private school. Okay. Uh, and yeah. And then just, uh, Oh, started, um, I guess, Idle Threat, we started in uh, 2014 and started touring as quickly as we could, writing music, and here we are today. We signed a Tooth and Records, so that's, that's kind of so the main cool. synopsis of my life up to this point. Yeah, I got married this year, and here we are. Yeah, we've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool, man. Uh, so you said 2006, you were introduced to heavier m- music. Who was that for you? I know for me in 2006, it would have been... To find the great line by Under Oath would have probably been my my album of that year. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so it was really like three bands um, in particular. Um, I had a buddy who uh, has played in bands around uh, Nashville um, named Blake, and we both ran on the cross country team and the track team. So. Uh, he was older, you know, when you're younger, you kind of like look up to older kids and he showed me, um, under oath. He showed, he showed me Norma Jean and he showed me, uh, 
Me Without You, who is now nice. my favorite, like has been my favorite band since then. Nice. Um, so yeah, just like the whole like post hardcore, like explosion that happened yes. in 2006 just hit me at the right time. And it's such a good time and I, I miss it, but we're moving <laughs> on to other types of music now. And yeah, looking back at it, I, yeah, I don't know. I still find myself listening to that stuff. Same, same. That's what I play the most is, uh, probably 2006 through 2010 era post hardcore type stuff. Um, actually before everything shut down, yep. the, the, the last concert we got to go to was me without you and thrice. And I'm glad that we at least had that right before everything shut down. Yeah. Such a good show. Um, going further from that, I know, uh, um, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about this, but before I started doing the outreach that I'm doing now, uh, basically since, since I was 16 years old, I've played in different um, hardcore bands and stuff like that. And uh, we toured a decent amount and um, always had a lot of people that would support me and they were very helpful people, but you always have those people that, want to tell you that you can't do outreach for God in that, um, you know, in the hardcore scene, just because it's like so far from what they think the church is and so far from what they think you should be doing. And you always have the people that are like, you know, why would you spend time with those people? You know? Um, so how do you answer s- some of those types of things as someone who like, you know, this is what you do, that you want to be with the people that these people would say, why would you spend time with those people? Yeah. To me, it's like a classic. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's almost interchangeable with uh, the story in the Bible. Um, I think it's in Mark where Jesus is like just straight up chilling with sinners. Like yeah. they're, he's eating with them. He is, uh, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure the scripture itself says that he's like uh, spending time or relaxing with them. Like they're, yeah. they're just, I, I imagine it's it's like um, when you come over to a friend's house and you guys are all just like just hanging out and having a good time. Right. And the Pharisees uh, in that are like offended by his actions and you know and that's like almost exactly what you're saying like why would you spend time with these people and jesus his response um because he always has such a good response to everything is you know it's not the the healthy people that need doctors it's the sick yep and as the great physician like he is stepping into those spheres of people in order to minister to their spiritual needs um, as well as their physical needs. And I see that uh, within the hardcore community, there's a lot of hurt. I mean, I think that's what most of the bands, you know, that, that they, that we play with on a a nightly basis uh, are going through something that caused them to write those songs. And I don't know, it's just that that's, that's the people that Jesus hung out with. And I want, if I want to be like him, I want to do the things that he did. So why would I uh, avoid a certain group of people? Exactly. Uh, One of the biggest things that I think about is one, every time I get asked that question, it always seems to me like they're putting God in a uh, 
box saying like, you know, you can only do these things in a church atmosphere that you can't do these things outside of a church atmosphere with people who don't look like they belong in church. And then uh, the other thing that I think about is I think it was about 2006. I went on a two week trip with a church group and we were going to like uh, do like backyard Bible clubs and stuff in uh, a small town in Colorado. And um, we were going out to hand out tracks and stuff. Um, And I remember they split us up into groups of three and the group that I got put with, I saw these two kids wearing, you know, all black, black skinny jeans, you know, um, all that stuff. And I was like, Hey, we should go hand tracks to these guys. And the girl that was over our group was like, no, they don't look like Christians. And I was like, wait, so we're only trying to target Christians with our Christian outreach. I was really confused. And like, that's something that I like think about all the time is like, people that feel called to do Christian entertainment, that's fine. But people that are, that feel called to do outreach, why would they not want to go to these places? Back when we used to play, we had one rule that was if we got offered two shows on the same night and one of them was at a Christian place and the other was not, that no matter how big the Christian show was, we always had to take the one that was not at a Christian place because yeah. that is what we were called to do. And um, yeah, it was always weird to me when people didn't like comprehend that that was the actions of Jesus was to go be with the people that were hurting to go be with the people that in the end would scream, you know, crucify him. Like right, right. that's who he was. Yeah. He knew you know, going into those, those groups of people, he knew that they would be the ones, uh, well, it wasn't just them, you know, it was, it's, it was all of us wanting, wanting someone to save us from our immediate problems, right? Like us being, um, under, they were under Roman rule, right? If, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, like, so the, the King they wanted was not the King they got. And so everybody was just like, no, to get this guy out of here. Right. And, uh, Jesus knew that going into these groups of people and yet he continued to be like, just bullied by these people who had it wrong. And that's, that's the problem is like so many people have this like idea that Christianity doesn't need to be like uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, like as if like Jesus saves you from discomfort, and that's like not he pushed he propels you he catapults you into discomfort on a daily basis on yes. fighting at least your like internal uh pride and and your own desires right like you have a war within you that you're fighting but then you also like are supposed to have some like persecution outside of your flesh like outside of your own thoughts and people just don't want that and so yeah. the, the idea to you know hand tracks to to only christians is like all you're going to do is get, you know, a pat on the back from someone who has the same thought as you and doesn't even challenge the way you think, because that's also good for you to, yeah. to have the, the, you know, many, the meeting of the minds kind of mentality. Yeah. That's kind of what I always think about whenever I see those like really, really, really cheesy 
Christian shirts. It's like, that's not doing any sort of outreach. That's just going to get people that already agree with you to be like, Hey, cool shirt, man. <laughs> like it's not going to, exactly. it's not going to convict anyone or, you know, start any positive talk. It's just going to get your little pat on the back. Um, right. Right. So as far as like going out and touring and um, being in these places that aren't Christian places, what are some of the cool things that you've seen happen from like just being there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, the the cool thing about idle threat is that we are not uh, inherently a like evangelical, evangelical band. Um, We don't, we don't make it a mission of ours uh, to go out uh, like specifically each night and look for ways to evangelize. We just sort of know that we are as believers, like that's just what we do. Yeah. Um, and when the opportunities arise, uh, we're going to take advantage of that. So with that, it's, we've been able to like be more, I guess, approachable from people yeah. who might be turned off by church or for be, sure. Um, yeah. Just have like a, a stale taste in their mouth from, maybe uh, other Christians in the world or, or what, what have you. So um, we've had a couple instances where um, we've had people open up about just the things that they're going through, like the real things in life. Um, I used to do this, uh, I call it a spiel, but it wasn't like, and one thing that I've always tried not to do was like make, uh, you know, a lot of people do the stage banter. Right. And yeah. like, sometimes it's very intentional and uh, very, like, you know, very evangelical or, or and even even non-Christian bands do this, right? They might yeah. talk about depression. They might talk about uh, just the things that are on their heart. But, like, oftentimes that little bit is part of the set. It's yeah. not so much that it's, like, a stream of consciousness or even, like, what's actually truly on your heart that night. It's just this is what I've worked into this part of the set between yep. these songs. And... Uh, so I've always tried to avoid that because I don't feel like it's genuine. Um, I don't always feel those things every single night of tour. I might feel that the first night of tour, but the last night of tour, all I'm really wanting to do is go home, you know, and like, it's okay to talk about that. And so, uh, with that being said, uh, there are times where I do say some of the similar stuff, same things. We have a song called fathers in which me and the guitarist, uh, our other guitar player, when we first started, his name was Connor. Um, I had just lost my grandpa and he had lost his dad like a year before that. So that song is just about loss and about, you know, going through life, knowing that like they would be proud of where we're, where we're headed, where we're going, but they're yeah. not there to experience it. Yeah. Um, and so I would do this thing on stage occasionally night, some nights right before that song, or maybe after that song about that, just what I just said, basically. And it would often cause people to come up and be like, Hey, like my mom is like really sick right now. Or, you know, I've got a cousin who committed suicide or, or whatever. And those opportunities to talk about what God says about loss and what my feelings are about loss. Even if those two things are at odds with one another. Yeah. Because I know what God says, but I don't always feel like following what God is talking about yeah, in those situations. Sure. So, yeah, there's been times in Virginia, I can remember uh, a, a night where somebody came up to me and, and, and talked about that. Um, 
and that's just you know that's just my perspective like you could have the other guys on here and and they would talk like i know zeke i've seen zeke pray with people uh i've seen jj get pulled off to the side and and have conversations about mental health and yeah um just things that he's dealing with and yeah it's uh it's just a cool thing and it's also one of those things where you see you know i might be coming up to, to zeke and be like hey dude i need the van keys and i'll stop because i see what he's doing and yeah. it's just this acknowledgement like hey i can wait you do what you're doing you know for sure so it's cool to it's a, a cool thing to get to use as a tool but like me being on tour should be no different from me working at my coffee shop or me for sure you know being at a church or not at a church because that is one of the big things about the um hardcore scene and just people is like they don't want you to be something you're not they want you to be you and that's one of the big things that like i think we fall short of in like the church as a whole is we whether we mean to or not we tend to make people think they have to be this certain thing before they can be part of us and we tend to put people in the spot where they feel like they're not good enough or because they still have anger or because like you talked about, they know what scripture says. They know what God says about this thing, but at the time they're just pissed off. Like they don't, you know, those things don't go hand in hand. And that like makes them think that, you know, they're not good enough because we've, um, I know the church that I grew up in, it was very, traditional Southern church. If I would have talked about, you know, like thoughts of suicide or anything, the answer would have always been, well, you just need to get saved. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I've prayed that prayer at least 40 times now. And sometimes I still hate myself. Like, can we talk about like the hope or like healing or like practical steps that need to be taken? Um, But it was always just, if you find yourself going through anything, that means you did something wrong and you're not where you're supposed right. to be with God. And right. uh, I think that's what turns a lot of people off is like, they just feel like, well, if I'm not good enough for God, well, I don't need it. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I have felt so many, you know, I, that wasn't just a, 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 your church thing. I think there was just this, we kind of, I kind of grew up in the church. I say kind of, because we went to church loosely uh, until I was in about third grade. And then I stopped for like, three years and then came back on my own in sixth grade um, without my family, just by myself um, with some friends. And I still remember in those first couple of years being in church and having this, like, you have to work at this relationship with God. And, and there's some truth to like, you know, if you don't talk to someone, you're not going to feel close to them. Right. And yeah. like, I understand that part, but like from an acceptance perspective of yep. of god accepting me i need to you know make sure i don't say these words make sure i you know don't uh look at at, at this this person this way or or have hit my brother or whatever you know and yep. those are things that you're you're going you're going to do in some capacity in your life and i still carry that to this day of worrying about my salvation based off of the things that I do. Yep. And I know that it's not biblically accurate. I know that that's not the truth. And that the truth is that once I've been set free, I'm set free forever. Um, that the, you know, the power of death has no more hold over me and, you know, praise God for those things. But, but be, I think because of those early years, 
I still feel the weight of I need to do more works and do good yeah. um, in order to feel like close to God. And it's just, yeah, it's just taught to us. I think too young. Maybe it was just that time period. I don't know. Yep. Maybe it's still taught in some churches, right? Who yeah, knows? I know exactly what you mean. It's that constant feeling of you're not doing enough and you can't do enough. And then you start to feel like why even try? And then anxiety kicks in and it's just a full circle of, well, I'm not doing enough, but I don't feel like doing anything. So I'm going to continue not doing anything, but then I just feel even worse. And the um, outreach that I do, like it all started from that. It all started with the idea of like, I just want to let people know that it's okay to open up and talk about these things because the church structure that I grew up in was basically like, just fake it till you make it. Like, just pretend everything's okay. And Mm -hmm. eventually it'll all be okay. Even you know, there's just like this, I don't know, honesty and transparency just weren't um, things that were really uh, talked about or anything as far as the church that I grew up in. Um, And it just seemed like, I don't know if you were going through something that you couldn't be honest, that you couldn't, uh, you know, I think now there's a lot more emphasis on churches doing like small groups, um, more people doing like house churches and like outreach and like that, yeah. that way. And like people have grown to be more intimate and more honest, um, even within churches from what I've seen over the past five years. Um, but I think still we have a long way to go just to like encourage people to one step outside of the church and know that not everything God's going to do is going to happen within what we deem as the church, you know? Um, Yeah. Right. And then to not limit what God is doing as far as like, you know, touring in the hardcore scene or, um, you know, having church in a parking lot or any odd thing that might be the case. I think you also talked about like uh, people, you know, people, telling you to fake it till you make it kind of thing. And, yes. and, you know, like that, even that has like shaped how I view other Christians now. Like I, I have a pessimistic view of believers sometimes where I don't, I, I question their authenticity, even when they're doing yep. good. And um, it's caused me to, you know, be kind of judgmental and, and struggle with, uh, it doesn't help also that we live in the age of social media and it just feels like it's not just Christians, but it's just people in general. They only do things, uh, to be seen, you know, not everyone, but like a lot, a lot of people do. And, and, and I've done that myself and it's just from that. It's like, every time I see, you know, even people doing good things, I'm like, are you just doing this for like clout or, or, you know, I think it's, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with propaganda, the mm-hmm. uh, spoken word rapper. Yeah. He uh, said something along to the effect of like, even our good deeds are an extension of our selfishness. Yep. And that just has always like stuck with me that, you know, like with the works that we're trying to do that we don't, that are, that are all meaningless really, you know, in, in terms of how God views us paired with this fake it till you make it mentality it's just caused me to realize that you know what like even when i'm trying to do good i'm just doing it because it makes me feel good even if that's like a tiny little aspect of it like you still can't separate 
the two. Yeah. Like I'm still, there's still an, an, an aspiration of, of selfishness in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, that's sort of a, a side note of just like where I'm at personally and my walk has been trying my best to fight this like judgment of others, even when they're doing good. Yeah. Uh, because it just feels so, it just the world feels so inauthentic to me right now. I agree completely. I think uh, we have the same thought on a lot of those things. It's very easy to sit back and just pick apart what people do and like your thoughts on why they do it. And um, yeah, so I guess in your mind, like what steps are you taking to try to, um, I guess, separate selfishness from yourself (laughs) for lack of a better way of putting it? So like within my own actions of trying to do good. Yes. Like if yeah, you were um, to sit back and pick apart your own actions, um, which I know is also easy to do. Well, so I guess another, I, I can't remember where it's at, but like another verse that's always like stuck out to me is when Jesus is like instructing people how to pray and he tells them to go into a, a closet, right. Yep. And pray and then not be like the people out on the sidewalks that are, you know, on the corners that are, praying out loud for people to hear and to see, you know, I think we live in that now, like with social media is, you know, can you go, can you do a quiet time? Can you get alone with God? And this is, I'm not, this is a general you. It's also you directed at me. Like, can I read my Bible without being tempted to post a verse on social media that shows that I just read my Bible? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? To answer your question, like what I'm trying to do and I fail at is to do more things in secrecy. Um, yeah. When I was in college, I did a, uh, I used to, I ran a, a homeless nonprofit. It wasn't, it was like a grassroots movement, basically. It wasn't really like anything official, but me and some buddies would go and like minister to homeless people. And that was always been like a huge heart. I've always had a heart for homeless and something in the future I would actually like to like maybe do full time. Yeah. But uh, for the longest time, we didn't tell anybody we were doing it. And, you know, here I am telling everyone that listens to this that I did it. But like at some point we opened up to tell people so that way we could get more support of it. Yeah. But that was just one thing that I did then. And I found that I felt way more fulfilled from a scriptural basis that I was doing something and I was having to fight the, the urge to tell someone, hey, look what I'm doing. You know yeah. what I mean? And just just do it. Like, yeah. don't talk about it. Just do it. And so that's what I try to do on a daily basis is, you know, I don't need your approval of me. Exactly. Doing something for God. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That is so hard to do. I know for me, like studying to like, preach at church or even from my own quiet time, I will find myself like sitting there either reading some study book or reading scriptures. And I'm trying to like find that quotable thing that I can post online or that, the thing. And then I'm like, but what if God's trying to say something to me personally? And I'm ignoring that because I want to create this image of who people think. I am, And I try to like cover it up with, well, people tithe into this outreach. So people need to see that I'm doing blah, 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 whatever. And there's just so many ways to like justify like 
even taking quiet time and turning it into something about yourself. And uh, no, yeah. I completely agree. And that's something I've been trying to, to do too, is basically have two quiet times. One that I can like study and pray for stuff to preach about. And then one that has no agenda that I try to yeah. not have like my computer or my phone or anything close to me. And one that's like, just for me and God. And uh, that's been yeah. very helpful too, is just trying to like, I don't know, go into quiet time with God with no agenda. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that's a cool concept of like, we often think that we are the means to the end, right? Like God, I'm reading this verse to tell these people. Exactly. Sometimes you're the end, like exactly. you're the end. Exactly. And that's so that good. <laughs> it's not through you. It's God is saying, no, like, you're you're reading this for you right now yeah you know and i don't know that's just a, a, a an idea that just like popped in my head like when you said you know reading it to post it's like yeah someone you know god can still use you uh through that like i'm not saying social media posts about bible verses like don't work or anything because like somebody might actually need that in that moment yeah but i think a lot of times it's like maybe you needed it more exactly needed, you know like you should probably stop and think like, why did that passage hit me so hard? Like what yeah. about this? But our instinct is to instantly, Oh, this made me think something or made me feel something. Let me share it with everyone else other than like sitting back and like praying on it and really thinking on like, mm -hmm. okay, why did this stand out? Um, yeah. We got to go speak a couple weeks ago in Virginia and one of the questions, uh, this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with like always thinking that you like, if you're not doing this, then you're not earning, you know, God's approval. Um, right. I think one of the biggest things that our church culture has told us, I know people our age for sure, is like, I always felt like a screw up if I didn't at least try to read the whole Bible every year. And just, I told these, these, these kids that we were talking to, I was like, like totally forget that idea. Like if you want to spend one whole year and just go through Proverbs, do it. Like do not yeah. get caught in the idea that the, the more you read is better for you. Sometimes you might just open it up and just read one passage for the day and like just spend the entire day thinking on that. Um, but I think, yeah, I know I was always caught in that idea of, well, if I don't read at least three or four chapters, I didn't even read the Bible. So I think, yeah, no, I, I, I like completely identify with that because yeah. I you know, was taught that, you know, you need to have your quiet time every day. And, you know, I, I always say there's sort of a, I'm like the least punk rock punk rocker. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I follow the rules. I believe in rules. I think they're good. <laughs> right. But there's still a part of me that feels a little rebellious in that, that idea of what you just said about like reading through the Bible. But for me, it was a daily thing. It was like, I don't need to read the Bible every day if I don't want to. And and I had this idea for, for several years of my life, I feel like it's dumb now, but like I had this idea that like, 
if God doesn't, or God wouldn't have any uh, satisfaction or glory out of me forcing myself to read the Bible if I didn't want to. What I realized, you know, actually, embarrassingly, within the last year was that, you know, okay, sure, you don't have to read the Bible every day, and, and you shouldn't feel like a failure if you if you miss a day because that was me. I would yeah. if I if I didn't read every day, I was like, man, I don't feel God anymore. Yep. But and that's not true. That's fake. That's false thinking. But also, there is merit to forcing yourself to read the Bible even when you don't want to. True. And I didn't believe that for the longest time because, again, maybe it's this rebellious side of me. Maybe it's because I just didn't really see anywhere in Scripture that said you had to read it every single day. But I have learned recently that, you know, our feelings are like many gods. Like we Mm -hmm. can make them the ruler of our day. Oh, I don't feel like it. Well, you know what? Like you don't compartmentalize God based off how you feel like, yeah, force yourself to develop this habit and it will produce fruit. And that's kind of, you know, that's just like a new or revelation. And for many people, they've had this thought, they believed this for the longest time. They're way better at reading their Bible than I am. But uh, this is something new to me that I was like, I had to lay down my pride and realize, you know what, like, okay, sure. I've been told that I need to read my Bible every day from pastors and whatnot, but like, they're right. Like you should try to, but it doesn't. But when you start to make that your worth, then Mm -hmm. you've missed the point of the whole thing. Exactly. It should be to draw closer to God, to, you know, fully understand who you are in Christ, not just so you can quote more things out of a book. Um, I think we've all been in plenty of like churches where they know scripture, but it doesn't seem like they know Jesus. Like, like the character of Jesus is not in the church, even if they could quote all of scripture. And I think um, Mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things that like we talk about at our church is yes, you need to study scripture, you know, that's one of the most important things that you can do, but it has to go past just something that, you know, it has to become part of you. And um, I think to see like this whole talk, like go full circle, like the people that gave Jesus such a hard time, like they knew the laws, they knew the scriptures, they knew, you know, all the stuff that they were supposed to know. And, every prophecy that had been talked about was standing right there in the form of Jesus. And they still didn't see it. They couldn't see it because they were so blinded by what they thought they knew. And like, right. That's scary. I don't, I I don't want to be that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it's so devastating to think that you could have worked your whole life and have missed the point, you know, And like, I just don't want to be that. I would rather fall short in my knowledge of of everything, but Jesus. Like if I just know who Jesus is, I know what he did. You're going to at least by default live out what the Bible is talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I think that's why um, I'm sure we've all seen this too, is people that have had like a really hard time, whether they've been, you know, 
addicted to drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. Um, and then they come to Christ and like, they don't know much of the scripture. They don't know much of anything, but they are on fire for Jesus. Like they are ready to tell everybody about what Jesus did. Like the same thing that we see through scriptures, whenever the church spread so huge through persecution, like they didn't study and study and study and study and then go out. Like they experienced Jesus and then they wanted other people to experience Jesus. And I think a lot of times our biggest problem in the church is we get those people and then we put out that, that fire by, telling them, okay, you need to sit back. You need more training. You need more teaching before you, you're not ready to tell anybody about Jesus yet. Like, yep. Yeah. That's so true. We like to, uh, the church specifically likes to put things into systems. Yeah. And, uh, we were, I was talking with some guys about this uh, a couple weeks ago about, you know, how the church, you can go to churches all across America and they're probably going to look pretty similar, like in terms of structure of, you know, maybe two songs before worship or two songs for worship and then a message and then maybe two more at the end or, or whatever. There's going to be yeah. a, you know, a system in place, right? A lot of times they pray during transitions and it's just they try to put put these really nice deliverable packages together for convenience so people can yes. sit down and right. But even within like discipleship classes, it's like just a system that you're trying to fit in because it's easy. Like once you get a system going, it's like threat fest for us. Like this year we didn't get to have it because of COVID and we're trying to do something different. And it has been so difficult to do this package thing we're doing, basically like selling some merch to donate to um, a local venue. Yeah. And that's been super hard because the system of actually running the fest is in place. We can do that with like almost, you know, probably, and you could give me a weekend and I could probably still put together threat fest. Yeah. Um, because it's easy. So people like to do that. And if, if you, if you have a gift, we, we talk about gifts. Uh, if you have a gift and you know, on Sunday, really only two people use their gifts, the, the, the worship team and then the pastor. Yep. And then there's the, the rest of us who come and observe and sure you might serve, but there are systems that are in place for you. Like kids ministry is, is put in place for you to use your gifts. What would church look like if, if they weren't so compartmentalized, put into different sections, what would it look like if we were all trying to use our gifts? Maybe that's not possible, but maybe it is where we could come together and all of us use our gifts in sun. It may go hours. Church may be longer than an hour and a half. It might be four hours. Who knows? But it would be closer, I think, to what the book of Acts talked about whenever it was showing us what church looked like. I agree. Um, So maybe we can follow up and have this talk sometime next year and see what's happening. Uh, But the church that I work for, we are in the process now of uh we have basically stripped away leadership as a whole and the goal is to get rid of that structure that god has given you something and you don't need anyone's permission to work in that gift or that calling like if if 
if God has told you to do something, you don't need the pastor's permission to do it. Right. God has told you to do it. Um, so that's our goal now is we're just kind of, uh, it's been very interesting the past few weeks of just letting the Holy spirit take it wherever he wants. And it's like very weird yeah. to kind of go into church without like a hundred percent set plan on what's going to happen. Like we still have an idea, like we still have people plan to like preach and all that stuff. But like, other than that, like if someone feels yeah. the need to like stand up and speak, cool. If someone wants to come up and, you know, pray, whatever, like it's just kind of a very open thing. And I think it's been cool to see, like, I don't know, our whole goal was just transitioning into what the church should be. Um, yeah. I think that's really we, cool. And I would love to follow up and hear, you know, also post COVID, hopefully what church will look like. We don't know, but yes, for um, sure. I would love to see. And, and like, the thing is like, that might totally, you know, and I don't want this on your, on your church, but that might totally fail. But your yeah. heart behind it is like the part that matters. I exactly. Think. Exactly. And I guess the thought of it might totally fail is like to what? Like to like the traditional church? Yeah, cool. right. What like that would be okay. Um, yeah. Or if people don't comprehend what's, going on and they want to find something they're more comfortable with. We talked about that earlier. Like people are drawn to what's comforting and our church structure has been comforting for so long that people have gotten so used to it. Like um, you, you brought up uh, the uh, transitioning prayer earlier. And that was always one of my biggest pet peeves is like using prayer as a transition. Um, yeah. But uh, like people have gotten so, so used to comfort and like, this is what church is that like something else is scary. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Zeke was actually the first person who introduced this idea to me that we shouldn't use prayer as a transition uh, because, you know, I had never thought about it, but he, he, he made the point. To, I think we were on tour one day and he was just, I don't know, we were just talking about something and he brought it up to me that like, you know, like we're in the presence of god like the most holy thing of all existence yep and like we're just talking to him while people can, so so that people can get off stage not exclusively for that reason but that is a part of the reason and it's like yeah. what about those people what about them why wouldn't they stop what they're doing put their guitar down and pray also yeah you know it's a it's just it's weird that in 2020 with everything that's happened, having to go to live streams, our church is having, well, we're going to actually probably switch churches soon, but the church we were going to was, uh, is going through some of the same conversations. Like maybe 2020 was, or COVID was what the church needed to be, to reevaluate what we're doing and are we doing it for the right reasons? Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think it just all goes back to 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 scripture where god says he will use anything for his glory yeah. and even though like covid has you know been awful i think um that it might be that little push to get the church to change things up because it's been so long since things have been changed and to look at the structure of the church now to even the church that you see in acts um like it just doesn't look like church should and right. to even say, like, to go back to the church in Acts is the answer, probably isn't the answer. Like, God's calling us into something new. 
Sure. And we need to be open to going into things that have never been done before and trying, you know, different things. Um, and I'm eager to see what's going to come from all of that. I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Uh, you brought up threat fest and, um, one thing I wanted to hit on before we were done is um, I think we were in, we were at threat fest in 2019, maybe, or was it 2018? It was one of those years. Um, We were there and I remember JJ told us multiple times before coming in, like, just know, like, this is not a Christian event. Like, and I was like, yeah, "Yeah, cool. Like, that's why we're coming. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. Like we had some incredible talks. We had uh, some really great interactions with people. Um, some people would come over to us and be like, so why are you guys here? And we would start telling them, they'd just be like, yep. And then just walk away. And I mean, that's cool too, but we had some really good talks with just, um, you know, being open to having these talks with people at a place that isn't a Christian event. So like, uh, what is uh, your guys's thought behind like planning this thing and like just this like great sense of community and it just seems like a very large gathering of people that probably don't feel like they belong in other places but there's this one you know time every year that they can all just come to this one place and enjoy being with each other and I think there's something like so beautiful in that. Yeah. Uh, so ThreatFest didn't start as a community effort. Uh, it just started out as, uh, you know, just we had played a release show in this train station, the old train depot. And uh, it was awesome. It was so fun. So many people came and, and JJ had the thought like, hey, what if we like did a two night fest in here? So the event started just as a, as a we're, we're starting to learn how to book shows. We had just started as a band. Um, Threat Fest has been around, I'm pretty sure, as long as Idle Threat has. Um, I think we did it the first year we were a band. I can't quite remember. It might have been the second year. So we, we might be a, one year older than the fest is. But the, uh, it was just to hang out and, and, and throw something cool. By year three, though, um, we opened it up to some artist submissions um at this point we had toured a lot more uh, i think that year we we toured really heavily so like we had made a lot of connections and so we started getting you know people from all over the country well the main thing with threat fest that differentiates it from these other fests is that we have a heavy en- emphasis on local music yeah. local local nashville bands because there's so many really good ones that do go on to sign the labels or at the very least to go tour and, and, you know, try to just do it for real, like do it, yeah. do it to their ability more than just like playing the occasional weekend. Right. So with all that being said, by year three, we had this like interest in playing the fest. Um, we opened it to submissions because we wanted to have people who genuinely wanted to be there because we had actually had two years before where we actually invited people. We asked, Hey, we play this fest. Obviously, it's brand new, so not a lot of people really got back with us. And then some of those that did come didn't seem to really want to be there. So um, we were just like, you know what? I would rather open this up, have more bands, maybe even some bands that we don't really care much for. To be yeah. honest, like, there are bands that play the fest that like, that's not my thing. I don't think exactly. they're bad. I just yeah. not my thing. I don't really 
really listen to that kind of music. Um, but they want to be there. And that yeah. was like, that was huge. So that first year, it may be, that may have been the year you guys came. It may have been the year four that y'all came. I can't quite remember. But something about that year was so, it just felt like, you know, it felt like a church camp, even though it wasn't a Christian event. Like, yeah, we're all hanging out. Uh, everybody's watching everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just super fun. Like, there's a lot of goofy stuff that goes on at Threat Fest. Like, people pull pranks. Yeah. Um, the goal is to eventually make it big enough to where people are doing, like, secret sets and stuff. Like, just, like, you know, no, kind of not a whole lot of – kind of like Cornerstone was. Like, yeah. not a whole lot of rules there other than just please don't break anything and respect each other, you know? Yeah. And – we started to see this like community forming. And so personally, I, that is like what I care the most about. Like I love to host stuff at my house. Um, I love creating spaces where people can gather and meet each other. Um, Mm -hmm. I've tried several times to invite friends over from different areas of my life, like music and maybe old high school friends or whatever, and try to see, if they, if they become friends or whatever. Cause I just think that we tend to congregate to our own kind yep. and we don't really ever meet people. And, and you know, what good is that? Right. So threat fest becoming that was like right up my alley. And ever since year three, it's been like the point of the fest is to create a place where people can come together, whether they believe in God or not and just hang out and, yeah. you know, as a Christian, do I want them all to become believers one day? Absolutely. But that's like, I'm going to leave that up to the people that are there to share their heart. And if, if, you know, it's not up to me, whether or not someone um, believes in God at the end of it or not, like exactly it's it more often than not doesn't happen, you know? And I think it's worth it when somebody does. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of why we do it. Idle Threat's the same way now. Like we tend to call ourselves a family band because we've had so many people play with us, uh, like McKinley, um, Nathan Moe plays with us on tour. Um, our friend Zan Weber and then our friend, uh, DJ Winstead, he plays with us here at home. And so like we consider everybody who's ever really been a part of Idle Threat, both on stage or in the audience, like a part of what we're doing. Yeah. So you know, it's just, you can't really get that outside of church in most places. Like I can't think of anything that's like, you know, that community effort aside from church and I guess some outreach nonprofits like, you yeah. know, for so. sure. And I think there's something huge about giving that to people who probably won't step foot in a church. Yeah. That's been one of our huge goals is like I want to go to the people that probably will never come to the traditional church atmosphere and still 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 show them that there is hope even you know like you said I mean it doesn't have to be preachy at all you can just be nice to someone that's what Jesus did he was yeah he was just there (laughs) Um, what I love is like at Threat Fest, you get, you know, going back a little bit to the stage banter stuff I was talking about, like, yeah. at Threat Fest, you do get bands that get up there and say, like, hey, like, I'm, you know, we believe in Christ. I mean, we, we usually talk a little bit about that if, if we're feeling led to that night yeah. or any night. But then you also have people that get up there and they're just like, 
you know, F everything and like, God's not real and and whatever. And, you know, it's at the very least, it's just a a time of expression. And, you know, we're all, we're all looking to express ourselves and, um, we all want to be heard, you know? Yeah. I think that's like the biggest thing. And we see that with social media too. Like we just want to be heard and threat fest is a place where you can come be heard and, you know, and, but we ask that you also hear others, you know, yeah. like Which try is to huge. try to open your mind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, thanks for taking time to join us on here. Um, of course, man. I'm so glad you asked me to be on this for sure. We'll have, to, we'll have to, we'll have to plan it again sometime. Uh, I just like the idea of un, unstructured talks, but I hope something we talked about um, coordinates with, with someone. I think there was a lot there about honesty and transparency. Yeah. And uh, well, thank you guys for joining.